Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. I'm Kat Wonders, and this is episode 21. Welcome to another hot and sweaty episode. It is so hot here, and I don't know what's going on with the world, but right now it's probably 27 degrees outside, and um, it's not even quite the afternoon. <laughs> I have been extra, extra hot and sweaty <laughs> for reasons unknown. I, I keep wearing clothes that I'm kind of like, in my head it's fall. Okay, so I keep wearing long sleeves, long pants. It's not time yet. It's definitely not time yet. I was actually going to drain my swimming pool a few days ago, and then I was like, meh, too lazy. Luckily, I didn't because I'm going to be in it later today. So welcome back. It's episode 21. I've got a episode chock full of interesting things, and um, hopefully I make it through. I might even have to put a freaking bikini top on. The back of my neck is the worst right now. And I think that my hair is extra hot when it's sort of curvy, curly, <laughs> curly and wavy. It's like it holds more heat. Uh, and for those of you listening to this episode, there is a video version on YouTube. So if you want to pause this and then just watch the rest on YouTube, then you can do that too. We have lots of fun. There's a lot of aesthetic pleasures on my podcast. And I'm going to get started with a concoctail. This time, I'm not concocting it myself. I did find a recipe online and it is a fall cocktail. Woo, can you believe I actually got organized enough to buy the ingredients for this? <laughs> it is called a ginger pear bourbon splash. And and uh, I figured it looked really fallish and it's just something that I can't wait to make. And I've had these ingredients for a few days now and I keep thinking I should just make one to test it out. But I think it's more fun for me and for you that I do it for the first time here. Ginger pear bourbon splash. Now, I guess it is going to be a bit of a concoctail because I legit am going to add some things that aren't in the recipe just to make it a little bit more full. And let's just get started. So the ingredients that it calls for are two ounces of bourbon. I didn't bring a measure. <laughs> what is it called? I'm just going to free pour because that's how I do it in real life and on this podcast. So I actually bought this as a gift for somebody and I never actually went to their place. I kind of bought it because I thought that they would like it. But then, like I said, it never worked out. Bolete Bourbon Frontier Whiskey. Look at the bag that this comes in. And the top is like magnetic. And... Here she is, a beautiful bottle of bourbon. In my mind, like before I was a drinker and I heard the word bourbon and found out it was the type of alcohol, it sounded like the most delicious thing that I could have. I just saw a bottle one time and I was like, wow, it looks like the best, like most delicious caramelly type liquid. <laughs> and boy, when I tried bourbon for the first time, it's just the opposite. I, I, okay, I can sip whiskey. I can get into really any beverage. I can appreciate it, you know, as long as it's made the way it's meant to be made. You know, it's not like just made in somebody's backyard and I'm like, oh, it's wine. I can appreciate the notes of caterpillar and vinegar. <laughs> so anyway, okay, we got some bourbon, two ounces of pear juice. So I can't find pear juice in my town. I found peach pear juice. So that's gonna have to do. Then it calls for half a lemon. Got my fake lemon here. And it calls for ginger ale. So I got a little bottle of ginger ale. And the things that I'm going to add are some actual ginger and some cloves. Like these will not make it through the shaker um, filter or not filter, um, I guess it's a filter. <laughs> so I might even put some on the bottom of the glass for a little aesthetic as well. But cloves, man, this is like fall in a smell. And it actually reminds me of kindergarten for some reason too. I don't know why. And, okay guys, I found these candles at my local drugstore and they are Zippo candles. And I love me a nice fall candle that I said this in a previous podcast, that's not super vanilla-y smelling, like heavy on the vanilla. It just drives me crazy. Like some Bath and Body Works candles make me want to barf. This is dark rum and oak. And it is like, kind of like a man's cologne mixed with a, kind of like a, Yeah, it smells like a man's cologne. And you know what it is? It's I'm a bit of a lumber sexual, which means I like really manly men. This reminds me of like my manly man fantasy. This right here. <laughs> is there a cologne like this? Anyway, it smells wonderful. So I'm gonna give that a little light. And my little kitty here will hang out with the candle. Got some ambiance going. Here we go. 
just put that there and look at the the topper it's cork burnt cork another positive i got my nails done <laughs> no more janky nails do 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 happy about that all right let's get my glass now this is from the populous company i don't know if you can see the logo there their candles that they make there also double as whiskey glasses so thank you to the populous co appreciate it and of course i'm going to be using my lighted stand here okay so what i want to do first is take some of the ice out of the shaker and plop them in here we're going to get the ice in the glass oh, look how lit the ice is I think that's pretty good. All right, so first thing, oh, and of course I also have a pair. It's quite ripe, but that's how I like them. So let's start with the booze. <laughs> smells like, I don't know, man. So it's kind of like caramelly, but okay. Two ounces of this. One, two, right? It's close, isn't it? Then we want to do two ounces, the same amount of pear juice. One, two, maybe there's a little less. <laughs> Now I'm gonna add, oh yeah, lemon. Half a lemon's worth of lemon juice. Then I'm gonna add my extra ingredients, okay? Ginger, this is powdered ginger. Just a little, a little goes a long way. In fact, if you ever make like a nice Asian soup, add some powdered ginger in there, that really makes And some cloves, aren't they pretty? All right, so time to shake this puppy up. I'm gonna make sure I didn't forget anything. The ginger ale I have to add last because otherwise we're gonna have no fizz and um, an exploding shaker. <laughs> no! Oh shit! Where's my, oh my God. My laptop. Luckily, most of it got on the, not the keys. Such an idiot. I kind of felt, you know what? You know, you're cutting like an onion or something and you're like, oh, I'm gonna cut myself and you do. That happened when I was shaking that thing. It's like, God damn it, this thing's gonna fly off. Of course it did, because I was not hanging on to it. Well, anyway, see why you listeners out there have to join me on the video version of this podcast because you can see exactly what went down if you want to. It smells good. <laughs> might be the candle, might be the drink, I don't know. Oh, the worst about spilling liquids is the sugar. In the you know how many times I've spilled like a pop or something and it's a diet and I'm like, thank God it's diet. It's not gonna make a mess at all, okay. <sighs> Back on track. Well, you know, the positive thing is, is I doubt that I, there would have been room for all of that liquid in there anyway. <laughs> it's one way to deal with it. Now I'm paranoid. <laughs> Baby shakes. I really wanna get that clove flavor in there, you know? I don't know how well it's going to disperse in there being that it's such a cold liquid, right? If it was warmer, maybe. All right, so we're gonna add this in. Beauty, I can see little chunks. Oh my God, this is gonna work out perfectly. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Ah, now, some ginger ale for if it stayed fizzy. How does that look? Looks delicious. I just so happen to have some random, I got these from China. I know I wasn't, I, mean, I ordered them online, but they came from China. <laughs> I was in China one time and I found these. No, just joking. There are these little, <laughs> what are these called? Guard, like drink markers. What are these actually called? Cocktail accessories, check it out. And it's a pear. So it's a little, I don't want the paper to touch the drink. So I'm gonna add this in when I take a few sips out of this. And let me do my little pear garnish. So we'll just do a nice slice of pear. If I got fancy, I would cut like a star or something into it, but one, two, don't overflow. And I forgot a freaking straw again. But uh, you know what? This kind of glass, you don't need a straw. All right, everyone. Should I mix it first? No, I'm first gonna take a sip. Mm-hmm. That is tasting like a good fall cocktail, if I've ever seen one or tasted one. This, you guys, this is lovely. I don't know if I taste any clove in there, but I think we could change that. Well, wow, look at the look at the stand, how it just lights up that that pear skin. <laughs> Let's add some cloves. Five. Six cloves. Okay. Get down there. Are you gonna float? Oh, I think they are. Oh my God, now I have like a choking hazard. <laughs> More of a don't get it in your lung hazard. Do, 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 do. Highly recommend. And I do taste a little powdered ginger that I put in there. It does add a nice little extra touch. I'm telling you. Winner. Cocktail was a success. 
I will be placing the recipe down in the description box so you don't have to worry about that. And um, the peach pear, I probably would prefer like straight pear juice. I can taste the peach in that and I would prefer it just to be pear. Um, but I don't know, have you ever seen pear juice in the grocery store? Like, I don't know, I have a juicer so I really could have made pear juice, but you know me. <laughs> I'm always just going by the skin of my teeth. So I think this can go in there now. Nope, not yet. <laughs> I don't know where that paper's been, what's in it, what kind of dye, you know what I mean? It should be food grade, being that it's like a food accessory or a drink accessory, but. So, my week. I did some more mushroom hunting and it was a success. I found a ton of shaggy manes. These are the mushrooms that I was talking about in the last podcast that turned to like black ink. And it's funny because the way that you find them, you see the taller stalks sticking up out of the grass because they kind of grow on like gravelly roads. So you can find them pretty easily. It's not like you have to go hiking through the bush. You kind of just go along the road where there's gravel and it's more hard pack. Where the, the taller stalks are, you got you don't want those ones because they're already starting to turn inky and like dark. If there's any dark color on these mushrooms at all, you don't want them. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but it's just not choice. So, uh, but around them, the ones that you see, there are always new ones popping up. And what you want are the little mush, or <laughs> the little mushrooms, duh, the little buttons. Uh, those are the ones that have, they're still closed. They haven't, like, you know how there's a mushroom stem in the cap? Well, when they're coming out of the ground, the cap is kind of encompassing the stem where it's closed, right? So it's, no air has gotten to it yet. So you can kind of dig around and find these buttons. And they range from like tiny to huge to teensy teensy so those are the ones you want and there was such an abundance of them that we were just like this is a whole meal in itself i'd love to have made like a nice mushroom soup but sometimes when you have these mushrooms that you get once or twice a year like if we go out again we might be able to find some more but to just eat them the way they are not raw but cook them with some butter salt and pepper and garlic and oh my goodness and then you can add a bit of cream at the end they're quite liquidy so like when you start cooking them so much moisture comes out of them that it's like a soup so you don't want to add cream early on you gotta wait till after but even a little bit of white wine in there so good and it's so rewarding to eat what you've harvested you know like that you found you foraged you know and you found food in the forest and now you're cooking it and enjoying it catch a nice nice fish on the side and you're freaking living life in my opinion. So we did some of that and um, uh, did lots of side-by-siding. That was amazing. And then you're also kind of like hunting as you're riding. Super fun. And I made something that I've never made before, which is bacon-wrapped chicken. And I don't know why I've never done this before. I actually have a bit of a, a thing against bacon on anything aside from raw bacon. I can eat bacon on its own. Love it. But when it's on a burger, when it's in like a pasta or something, it just turns me off. And so I have this like thing. And anyway, I had a friend tell me about bacon wrapped chicken and how bacon wrapped chicken and bacon wrapped something else like Brussels sprouts or something. Anyway, and I was like, I've never actually tried that. And they're both savory. I like chicken. I like bacon. Like I'm going to try it. So I actually bought some boneless, skinless thighs. You know, when you get them in the package, they're all like, they look all nice and plump. And then you pull them out, they're actually rolled up. So what I did was I spiced the inside of the chicken, rolled it up, wrapped it in bacon, and then put a cute, a cute, <laughs> Oh my god. A toothpick through to kind of keep it together and uh, put my oven on super high like 450 because it's kind of a thick ball right so it's got like takes a while to cook right down to the middle and so uh, 450 I put 10 of them on a pan. Holy mother of pearl. <laughs> they were so good. And because I'm uh, in ketosis right now, I'm dirty keto, by the way, I do have dairy. I had that, those with sour cream and a nice, like really overly sauce Caesar salad. And uh, wow, so good. I didn't realize, and, and now like, sorry, I'm like getting so, so into talking about this, but when they cool down, they stay like in like a little ball like this. And I thought how wonderful of like a thing to throw in lunch in your lunch or like take it on a hike. It's just, just really lovely like chicken nugget wrapped in bacon. It's just so good. Anyway, <laughs> if you're interested, actually, I'll just do it anyway. I'll link that recipe. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Maggie. I think I remember it being pronounced Maggie like growing up. M-A-G-G-I. It's like a spice you can buy, but it's a liquid spice that 
almost seems like the wrong word for it. It almost looks like a, it's a dark color. It looks just like a soy sauce. The smell of that sauce brings me back to my childhood, reminds me of my Oma and Opa. It's the strongest, one of the strongest like food smells that bring me back to my childhood. And it is so unique and so lovely. And whenever I cook chicken or I'm doing a, um, a gravy or a stew, Maggie, I'm putting it in there. Like that you can't beat it. It's like a boolean, like a beef boolean or something, but it's like got a completely different flavor. It's got different spices and oh my God. So anyway, what I do with the chicken breast is I just cover it in this this kind of soy saucy Maggie and uh, then put all my other spices in there. But that is a key to a lot of recipes that I make. And even when I make pea soup or anything savory, really, it could like take a little bit of that. And I'm hoping that one day down the line, you know, my family will eat my cooking and be like, oh, you know, this reminds me of, you know, back in the day. <laughs> but anyway, so just thought I'd throw that in there. I wonder if the clove has infused. No, I think it takes a while. I feel like you gotta chew it or something to <laughs> get the flavor. I do have powdered clove too, which would have worked better. Ooh, what is this doing to me? What, what, where is this taking me? Wait, there's a very specific food that this reminds me of. It's a candy flavor. It tastes like a candy that I used to eat when I was a kid. As I'm getting drunker and drunker, it's helping me think. <laughs> it has a flavor that like I've tasted before and it's not just pear, maybe it's like a pear and clove thing. I don't know. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> and that was pretty much the most exciting thing that happened since my last podcast, besides the freaking hot weather, freaking hot. And I'm already greasy as frick. I think what I really need to do is have like degreasing sheets and not keep powdering the grease because it does <laughs> through. I was told one time by a dermatologist that I'm lucky that I actually have oily skin because people with oilier skin age better than people with dry skin, which does make sense. But I'm like, I have oily and dry skin. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, typically, you know, it is pretty normal, but if I'm wearing a lot of makeup, like I am right now, my, uh, <laughs> my little shaker was uh, fizzing, starting to like ferment whatever's in there. Okay. So Last week I was talking about, I kind of, I didn't talk a lot about love languages. I tapped on it and I was like, I'm going to wait until next week to talk about it. And that's what I'm going to do. So this is how much I know about love languages. I actually thought there were three. It turns out there's five. And um, I've been doing a little, little bit of research. I found a website where I can kind of read about love languages. And I know even those two words together, love language, sounds like some kind of hippie bullshit. <laughs> If you've never heard of love languages, these rules apply to friendships, work relationships, obviously love relationships, you know, family. So it's applicable in a lot of different ways. And it's really just about understanding how somebody else receives love, friendship, because there's different ways that people feel love and express love. And I think typically people express love in the same way they feel it. So for me, I'm definitely physical touch. But you know what? We're going to find out because I found a quiz that will tell me exactly what love language I use. I was going to say I am, but I don't think that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to pull up a little bit of information about the different love languages and kind of a little blurb about what each one means. And you're lucky there are chapters because if you are not interested in this at all, <laughs> you can skip ahead. But I think you should listen just because it could apply and make a difference in your relationships unless you've got it all dialed. So this is an article, Mind Body Green, uh, hippie. <laughs> what are the five love languages, everything you need to know. So you may express affection to your significant other regularly, but do you truly take the time to make sure you're communicating in the way your partner wants to receive it? Even love can sometimes get lost in translation with when two partners speak different love languages. Okay, so what are the five love languages? The five love languages are five different ways of expressing and receiving love. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Not everyone one communicates love in the same way and likewise people have different ways they prefer to receive love. The concept of love languages was developed by Gary Chapman, PhD, in his book The Five Love Languages. The secret to love that lasts where he describes the five unique styles of communicating love, categories he distilled from his experience in marriage counseling and linguistics. I don't know what that word means. I'm just going to be honest. We all may relate to most of these languages, but each of us has one that speaks to us the most. Discovering your partner's primary love language and speaking that language regularly may 
create a better understanding of each other's needs and support each other's growth. So you could see how, like, say you have a relationship with your sister that's maybe a little complex and understanding how somebody receives like love or good feelings or how to communicate certain things to that person can make a huge difference and so it doesn't have to be necessarily to like a lover or you know it can be for family members or good friends okay so the first love language in the list is words of affirmation people with words of affirmation as a love language value verbal acknowledgments of affection including frequent i love you's compliments words of appreciation verbal encouragement and often frequent digital communication like texting and social media engagement. So I am not like that, okay? Because I don't need it. You know what I mean? I don't need to be told. I'm so proud of it. It's nice, but I don't. That's why it's hard for me to do that because I, it's not natural for me. For me, I don't need to say or hear I love you all the time. You know, like it's not who I am. I've been in shit before for not expressing my love verbally and, you know, but some people just don't. I don't need it, so I don't express it myself. Um, the second one is quality time. People whose love language is quality time feel the most adored when their partner actively wants to spend time with them and is always down to hang out. They particularly love when active listening listening, eye contact, and full presence are prioritized. Hallmarks in the relationship. So quality time. I mean, keep in mind that you can be more than one. It's not like one or none, right? So the third one is acts of service. If your love language is acts of service, you value when your partner goes out of their way to make life easier. It's things like bringing you soup when you're sick, making your coffee for you in the morning, or picking up your dry cleaning for you when you've had a busy day at work. So that would constitute acts of service when you do nice things for somebody. Gifts. <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I physical touch <laughs> maybe i'm gifts i don't know <laughs> gifts is a pretty straightforward love language you feel loved when people give you visual symbols of love as chapman calls it is not about the monetary value but the symbolic thought behind the item people with the style recognize and value the gift giving process the careful reflection the deliberate choosing of the object to represent the relationship and the emotional benefits from receiving the present okay so it's not like ah uh, my love language is jewelry you know like it's it's really about the thought that went into finding you this, you know, and it doesn't have to be buying something. It could be, hey, I was walking through the forest and I found this like beautiful flower. I thought of you. Here it is. I'd be like, oh my God, like you thought of me. There's thought that went into this, right? Lastly, physical touch. People with physical touch as their love language feel loved when they receive physical signs of affection, including kissing, holding hands, cuddling on the couch, and sex. Physical intimacy and touch can be incredibly affirming and serve as a powerful emotional connector for people with this love language. The roots go back to our childhood. Um, Moda Medi notes, some people only felt deep affection and love by their parents when they were held, kissed, or touched. So, I mean, I appreciate every single one of these things. I lean more towards physical touch. And when I say physical touch for me, I don't mean like groping, <laughs> holding hands, gentle touches, gestures. You know, I love. Anyway, I think I'm going to do this quiz and then we can find out what is my love language. It actually could be completely different than what I think. But I like the stand, okay? This is from the website Five Love Languages. I believe this is the person that wrote the book. For couples, singles, teens, and children, take this quiz to discover your primary love language, what it means, and how you can use it to better connect with your loved ones. When you're finished, you may print, share, or save your results for future reference. They will not be saved automatically. Don't worry, I don't need to save it because we're doing it. The love language quiz. How do you describe yourself? I am an adult. How do you describe yourself? I'm single. The love language quiz. It's more meaningful when someone I love sends me a loving note, text, email, for no special reason. Reason? Reason? <laughs> when I hug someone I love. More meaningful to me when I hug someone I love. I can spend alone time with someone I love, just us. Someone I love does something practical to help me out. What if you like both things? <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> I can spend time, spend alone time with someone I love, just us. Someone I love does something practical. Okay, I think I spend time alone, just us. <laughs> it's more meaningful when someone I love gives me a little gift as a token of our love of concern for each other. I get to spend uninterrupted leisure time with those I love. It gives me a little gift as a token of our love. It's more meaningful when someone I love does something unexpected for me to help out with a project or when I can share an innocent touch with someone I love. Yeah, help me out with a project, I think. It's more meaningful to me when someone I love puts their arm around me in public, when someone I love surprises me with a gift. <laughs> 
I like both things. I would click both, but which is more meaningful, like actually meaningful when they put their arm around me in public? It's more meaningful to me when I'm around someone I love, even if we're not really doing anything. If I can be comfortable holding hands, high-fiving, or putting my arm around someone I love. Okay, I'll go with the second one. It's more meaningful to me when I receive a gift from someone I love or I hear someone I love that they love me. (laughs) I think the word I love you is thrown around so much that for certain people, it loses its meaning, right? Somebody says I love you to everybody, it doesn't mean anything. So I think the gift beats that one. It's more meaningful to me when I sit close to someone I love or when I am complimented by someone I love for no apparent reason. Complimented. It's more meaningful to me when I hear someone I love tell me I'm proud of you. Someone I love helps me with a task. I'm proud of you. So that's a doozy. It's more meaningful to me when I get to do things with someone I love or when I hear supportive words from someone I love. I get to do things with someone I love or hear supportive words from someone I love. I think supportive words are nice. It's more meaningful to me when... (laughs) Sorry about all those uh, same sentences there. It's more meaningful to me when someone I love does things for me instead of just talking about doing nice things or I feel connected to someone I love through a hug. I'll talk, no action, that's no good. So I'll talk in action, that's good. It's almost over. (laughs) Someone I love says something encouraging to me or I get to spend time in a shared activity or hobby with someone I love. Shared activity or hobby. Someone I love surprises me with a small token of their appreciation. Uh, I'm touching someone I love frequently to express our friendship. Friendship. Definitely that one. It's done. Your primary love language is acts of service. How wrong was I? Uh, Okay, so I'm 30% acts of service, 20% uh, time spending, 20% physical touch, 17% hearing it physically out loud, words of affirmation, and 13% gift giving. Well, I'm glad that that gift giving is the last on my list. Acts of service. Can helping with homework really be an expression of love? Absolutely. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities. Okay. The words he or she most wants to hear. Let me do that for you. Laziness, broken compliments, and making more words. Okay. So acts of service. Well, you live, you learn. Acts of service, I guess. I mean, it makes sense to me because the problem is, is I could have chosen really any of those answers. There's only two options per question. I think that if I were to take this test again with different questions, I may have a different result. I think it's, too, it's pretty close either way, but I do know how much physical touch means to me. And so I do still consider myself a physical touch, but I can see how it's physical. Uh, sorry, how it's... Uh, acts of service. Well, that's interesting. So what do you think about that? Because I can see how even in like a long-term relationship, you know, say you're with each other for 15 years and it works, right? You have your your way of being and you guys get along and all that great stuff. But, you know, there's got to be little things you could still learn about each other that would aid in just like taking it to the next level, right? And uh, I I think it's an interesting test though, because I was pretty honest with most of them, but I think like some of them were clear night and day, but other ones were just like 50-50. Anyway, let me know your thoughts about that. What is your love language? Do you think that this could help you in your relationships? And like I said, it doesn't just have to be with a spouse. It can be with a sibling, your parents, a child, you know, your friends, family so it can kind of it's got many facets you know and I think once you learn the ways that it's easy to get into new relationships with people because you're like keen okay you like receiving gifts if your person likes like receiving gifts but you don't so you don't naturally want to go and buy something for someone because you don't even think that way it's like not even something that you would consider a way of showing affection or love but once if you know that man you could just sweep people right off their feet Lovely fall cocktail. That makes me happy. Does this cocktail match my outfit again? Last week I wore a velvet pink and red heart dress and it turns out that the cocktail that I made matched me. And I'm just curious why it's happened again. Me and my yellow cocktail over here. Okay, another thing I wanted to bring up is ASMR. And I think by now most of you know what ASMR is because it's kind of taken the internet by storm and maybe the trend is dropping off a little bit, but I did an ASMR video. It really wasn't true ASMR. I kind of just breezed through a video like just whispering and I realized that that's not really what ASMR is about, not just 
just it's not just whispering there's a lot more to it and recently I've been getting more into watching ASMR and listening to it in the evening time like at bedtime and I believe this is when most people watch and listen to ASMR but I never really was a big ASMR listener beforehand but Halloween is around the corner and I thought about potentially doing like a Halloween candy ASMR which would be terrible for my diet and my teeth but I kind of want to do it just because I think it'd be fun <laughs> um, and this time I'll take a little bit more time and appreciate and embrace the sounds, the crunches, and just the beauty of ASMR uh, because I do have a better appreciation for it now that I'm a bit of a ASMR listener. So let me know what you think about ASMR. Some people, it's the cringiest thing for some people. They hate it. Like when they found out I was doing ASMR, they're like, please do not freaking do that. It pisses me off because it does trigger people in a bad way as well as a good way, right? So that's the point of ASMR. It's like really triggering, but why did I say it like that? <laughs> really triggering, but some people get like good tingles from it and some people just are like Ugh. and uh, I have a particular detest for mouth sounds ever since I was younger I can't stand hearing people chew drink and it's a weird it's a me problem and I don't know why why and like what happened to me in my childhood to make me this way <laughs> and why I like ASMR and I think that because I have this disdain I legit it forces me to watch it it's kind of like it's almost like therapy <laughs> for me hearing these sounds times 10 you know so um do you listen to asmr do you think that i should do a halloween candy asmr and it wouldn't just be halloween candy i think it would just be like candy because how many halloween candies are there specifically um so let me know your thoughts on that and uh yeah now it's time for a segment that i like to call kitty twisters <laughs> So Kitty Twisters is where I like to tell jokes that I found online. And uh, I am not a comedian. I can't remember a joke for the life of me, but I do like reading jokes. And these are some that I found randomly on the internet that made me kind of chuckle. So I'm going to share them with you. Um, for warning, they are sick and sex jokes and everything in between. So if you're offended by this, chapters. Someone's in a library and they ask, do you sell any books on paranoia? And the librarian says, they're right behind you. <sighs> uh, I just wrote a book on reverse psychology. Do not read it. Do you want to hear a joke about my vagina? Never mind, you'll never get it. My girlfriend asked me if I smoke after sex. I said I haven't looked. Maybe. <laughs> This one was so dumb that I had to I had to save it. A worm crawls out of a pile of spaghetti and says, "Damn, that was one hell of a gangbang." <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> What's the difference between a Ferrari and an erection? I don't have a Ferrari. <laughs> that would make me laugh so hard as a pickup line. Like that would pick me up because that would make me laugh so hard. <laughs> What's the process of applying for a job at Hooters? They just give you a bra and say, here, fill this out. <laughs> Double D. What do you call a herd of cows masturbating? Beef stroking off. <laughs> I laughed. I did laugh at that one out loud. All right. <laughs> that concludes Kitty Twisters. Do you think skydiving or scuba diving is more dangerous. There are all sorts of factors that have to be involved because if you're scuba diving in a swimming pool as opposed to in a really seaweedy ocean, that's different. If you're skydiving, I think it's like no matter how high you're skydiving from, it's still pretty much the same outcome, right? But to be honest, if I choose one that I would believe to be safer, say ocean scuba diving, okay, like deep diving or skydiving, I would say that skydiving is less risky than scuba diving for me because I am claustrophobic. And you know what, to be honest, I don't know who isn't claustrophobic. Like I feel like some people are, there's the odd one. Okay. I have to tell you guys a story. This was what I was going to write down before that I forgot. <laughs> Talking about claustrophobia. Um, let me just, okay. I'll finish my first point because when, like I find it very claustrophobic when I start scuba diving, there's pressure on my chest. You don't have much of an option. If something goes wrong with your respirator, you're sort of hoop. A lot of times you have to be very slow on your way up because you have the equalization pressure problem. If you go up too fast, then you can die from an air bubble in your bloodstream. And of course, if anything really goes wrong with skydiving, you're kind of hooped unless you land in a pile of hay. <laughs> My God, <laughs> is it the bourbon? 
Mm, I still don't taste a clove at all. Oh, well. So, but I think if you were, were to look statistically for everybody who's dove below 30 feet and the amount of things that have gone wrong compared to people that have skydived, I bet scuba diving. I mean, more people scuba dive, I think, than skydive. Definitely. So it would be a bit off, but I don't know, man. I think that maybe what I'm trying to say is I prefer to die skydiving than scuba diving. That is more the point I'm trying to make. Like, not that one's more dangerous than the other necessarily. And I think one obviously is. I don't know why I think it's scuba diving. It's probably skydiving. <laughs> anyway, um, I just thought it was kind of an interesting topic. And I watched a video on the deepest swimming pool in the world. And I thought that we had covered that when I did my like interesting swimming pool segment, I think on in episode 19 or whatever. Or was that the last one? Anyway, and uh, it was like 98 feet deep or something. Anyway, this video that I watched, it's insane. It's kind of like a buried ancient, what's the word? It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Atlantis. <laughs> Anyway, and you can dive, dive this and it's wrecks and, and kind of obstacles and things. It was so interesting to me and super rad. Like if you're into diving and like that kind of thing. But so I just thought I'd bring that. Up. Okay. On the subject of claustrophobia. So I had a, an incident when I was a kid and uh, it, what didn't happen to me but we had some neighbor kids over. My mom was at work, so we were being babysat by, I think, I can't remember her name. I remember what she looks like, can't remember her name, but she was probably like 16, 17. She's upstairs, neighbor kids are over, we're playing in the basement, and we have a hide-a-bed down there. Anyway, we were just, whatever we were doing, we were playing around, and somehow, and I was the oldest and I was the strongest. Somehow the neighbor kid got folded up into the hide-a-bed. And I mean completely closed in the hide-a-bed. So initially he was screaming. <laughs> this is like trauma. He was screaming bloody murder in there. Then his screaming completely stopped. He went from like hysterical screaming to not screaming at all. And I remember trying my hardest to pull that hide-a-bed out. Trying, trying, like, and I just wasn't strong enough. I was probably nine and the neighbor kid would have been eight. And then my sister was there. She remembers. And then another like younger kid. But I, this is so shitty of me. I was so scared to get in trouble that I didn't right away run up to tell the babysitter because I was scared. I was like, oh no, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Like I thought that we killed him. Right. And then I was like, no, I gotta go. <laughs> and, uh, I ran upstairs, got, got the babysitter. Even it was even hard for her, her and I, and the other two kids, <laughs> my sister and her little friend finally got it open. And he just flopped out of there, like covered in sweat. I still like, it's still a vague memory. Like I don't remember it a hundred percent. And, uh, he was totally fine. <laughs> just popped right up and I remember he had kind of like a longer bowl cut dark hair and it was sweaty and it was just like pasted to his forehead I think about that often how you could like somebody would die if they got folded up and hide a bit and how how would even close but I guess we were little so like I think about an adult it couldn't happen to an adult but oh my actual god so keep that in mind if you have children and suddenly somebody goes missing check the hide a bit okay <laughs> because I was scared and like I said it was only probably a matter of like 10 seconds where I was like trying to make a decision like oh no what I what and then I made the right decision and got my babysitter but that is something that like you wouldn't even think about as a parent or whatever and the babysitter like we got, and the, I think she probably still remembers that to this day I'm sure he remembers it to this day um my sister definitely does but that was a that was a wild situation if we were at home alone and didn't have help we could not have got that hide a bed out because think about hide a beds are freaking hard to open as it is let alone with like an extra 80 90 pounds in there yeah you just got to be careful something to keep in mind <laughs> maybe some of you have hide a bed horror stories <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah just thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> okay i need a netflix recommendation in a bad way i want to get into another series netflix pisses me off so bad because i and it's not even it's me it's a me problem not netflix it's great there's like a plethora of options there are too many options too vague like of information where you're just seeing kind of the cover of whatever series or movie or whatever it is nothing grabs me i don't know what to do i i could go online and go like top 10 netflix series but i've done that before and it's like paid for by the people that like put the movie on Netflix. you know what I mean it's like not even genuine feedback I can't even find that on the internet so I want to I'm into I loved the Queen's Gambit loved 
Breaking Bad. There's a few other series that I watch. But anyway, like kind of an ongoing story that I kind of look forward to. You know what I mean? You get into a series, a Netflix series or a series on any other one of these platforms. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's Thursday. New episode. Or if you find a good one, an old good one. And you're like, I got 13 seasons. <laughs> see you next month <laughs> but no I, I enjoy watching a bit of netflix in the evening um if i'm not working or doing other things but um so if you have suggestions please let me know what you got into what i should watch and that would be really helpful for me thank you very much so another interesting topic is recurring dreams so whether they've happened your whole life just your childhood maybe just your adulthood have you ever had recurring dreams where you're recurring dreams. I think I have recurring scenarios in my dreams. And it's been a long time since I've had a dream like this. But I had a dream when I was a kid of me and my mom at my at the park and I'm going down a slide and my mom's at the top of the slide. And I've kind of gone down too soon because we were going to go down together. And then I get to the bottom and there's another slide that goes down. So I go down that slide and I look up. My mom's still waiting at the first slide. There's another one. I go down and my mom's getting farther and farther away because I keep going down these slides. And my mom's up there and I can't climb up the slide. Can't get to her. But for some reason, I keep going down these slides. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stop going down the slides. But in my dream, it's just me getting farther and farther and farther away. And it's happened that scenario, like not just with my mom, but with like certain family members where I'm sort of, for some reason, unable to to get back to them. There was another one that I had where I was on a river and my family was running along the bank and it was like a cliff and they're running along the cliff and I was going faster and getting farther and farther away from them. So clearly it's some sort of like separation anxiety that I have or however you want to analyze it. Um, I'm pretty independent and do things on my own. I don't like, you know, need my family for everything, but they're a huge important part of my life and could re just represent the feeling of like, I did move away from my family at a pretty young age and and which wound up just being the best decision ever, you know, and still staying close with my family. But that's one of them. And another one is being in a sinking car. So a car's gone off a bridge, off the road and in water. And it's funny because I had a similar type feeling in real life when I was in that helicopter engine failure situation. The feeling that I had in my dreams when I would go off in, into the water and I wouldn't be driving. This is like when I was younger, always a passenger, but always with my brother, my sister, and my mom. And so the first, the, the struggle for me was always trying to figure out how to get them out of the car, right? Because not, not so much, I got to get out of here. But like, and I remember one dream where I had, there was a four of us in the car. And I remember like instructing my sister to roll the window down because we were in the water underneath. And then the water was kind of coming in to roll the window down and let the car fill. And then we have to swim out because we can't fight the water that's coming in. So, and then, you know, and then other dreams where I'm trying to get their seatbelts off and whatever. But when we had this engine failure situation, so I, if you hadn't heard the other podcast, I was in a helicopter with my sister and my cousin and we experienced engine failure really high up and we had to have an emergency landing. But in the meantime, we landed safely. Everything wound up being okay. But we, on the way down, it was the scariest thing that I've ever been through. And especially the fact that I had chartered this helicopter and had my beautiful sister, my cousin in the helicopter. <laughs> so I kept thinking, okay, First of all, if we land hard, I'm weird not to hit my head, but also because we were above the water, I was thinking, well, I have to figure out a way to get my cousin out and my sister who's ahead of me. I don't even know how to open the freaking door on this thing. I mean, I could figure it out. We laughed through the safety video. Okay, <laughs> never do that. Listen to the safety instructions. And so I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, a crazy situation, but it was kind of like the same feeling I would have in my dreams when I would be in kind of an emergency situation and having to get other people people out. So it really kind of happened to me in a real life situation. Um, and I was that was the first thing I was thinking we're in five point harnesses we're in a helicopter and my sister's behind plexiglass in the front and my cousin and I are in the back and um shit's hitting the fan <laughs> I mean no pun, no pun intended so anyway those are the kind of recurring dreams that I've had um nightmares really <laughs> the first one's not so bad but the second one's terrible and I think a lot of things like that stem from your life experiences and but then people can delve deeper and pull messages and meaning out of certain dreams. And the problem with that is, is if you're somebody who has received messages through your dreams, you know their messages, they came to fruition, you predicted things and whatever.
whatever. When you have a nightmare or you have a horrible dream, how do you distinguish a message from like just a bad dream? You know what I mean? Do you live paranoid because you had your auntie one time come to you in your dream and tell you that Uncle Bobby's gonna fall off the ladder and then Uncle Bobby actually fell off the ladder. So you're like, oh shit, there's messages here. And then you have a random nightmare about about alien abduction. <laughs> like, do you worry when you're laying in bed at night? You know what I mean? Like, how do you distinguish a message from a bad dream? I've had plenty of really wicked weird dreams and uh, I have had some dreams that wind up becoming something, but it, whether it's chance, whether it's the reality, like maybe you're, you know, connected to the universe and, and I fully believe that kind of stuff too. That's a whole other podcast. But it's interesting to kind of think about and I've also thought what would be hard for me because I do believe in the other side, you know, the spirit realm spirit world gifts and things from the universe and i believe the universe and like the spirit realm they're all connected say you're communicating with spirits and you or you think you are <laughs> and you have messages you have signs some people are so certain that you know the other side exists and we're there's life after death and we it's not just the end of the road when you die it's there's more to it what happens when you are so connected to the spirit world you're already ghost hunting, you're kind of like opening yourself up to a lot of activity, right? And I believe that you can be one or the other, you know, and once you start to get deeper and deeper and deeper into some of these uh, question answering from the other side and like looking for signs and looking for communication, it must be really hard for people that are so connected to the other side to lose loved ones, you know, and close loved ones. Do they spend their time trying to communicate with their brother or sister that passed away or you know what I mean? It's got to make it hard to accept and move forward because I think those of us that don't necessarily believe like I am a believer so I didn't don't know why I said those of us <laughs> those people that don't believe I feel like there's closure there's no you know what I mean you're not constantly looking for a flickering light or a, a breeze or a smell or you know a spike on your EMF meter <laughs> it's got to be tough and it scares me because I believe in these things and I have a whole ghost hunting kit and I've had experiences that I know are the spirit world or loved ones, you know, and it makes it really hard to think about when the time comes and you do have somebody close to you that's passed away. I guess it depends on your faith too and what you think about what happens after death, but I just imagine it's a challenge and how, how you find closure when you still feel like you can talk to that person after they're gone. It's an interesting way to think about it and not morbid by any means. It can be a positive thing too. I don't know, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> now it's time time for a segment that I like to call Cat Facts. So this was interesting to me and you can decide for yourself. Three presidents, all founding fathers, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and James Monroe all died on July 4th. Uh, Presidents Adam and Jefferson also died in the same year. President Monroe died in 1831. Coincidence? You decide. Interesting. The Barbie doll's full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts from Willows, Wisconsin. Her birthday is March 9th, 1951. Sorry, 1959. <laughs> Why did I read it like that? <laughs> when she was first displayed at the New York Toy Fair. Okay, so Barbie is short for Barbara. And maybe you knew that, but I didn't. Um, there actually aren't 57 varieties of Heinz ketchup, and there never were. Company founder H.J. Heinz thought his product should have a number, and he liked 57. Hint, hit the glass bottle on the 57, not the bottom, to get the ketchup to flow. All right, that's what I've been doing wrong all these years. The oldest person ever to have lived, whose age could be authenticated, a French woman named Jean-Louise Calment, was 122 years old when she died in 1997. Holy cow. Sliced bread was first manufactured by machine and sold in the 1920s by Shilkoth Baking Company in Missouri. It was the greatest thing since unsliced bread. <laughs> oh yeah, this is crazy. The original name for the search engine Google was Backrub. <laughs> It was renamed Google after the Google, which is the number one followed by 100 zeros. I thought Googleplex. Isn't that like endless numbers? Well, whatever. What do I know? Bats are the only mammal that can actually fly. Look at my freaking 
cloves there hanging on the side of my glass. I think I've read this before. Wombats are the only animal whose poop is cube-shaped. This is due to how its intestines form the feces. The animal then stack the cubes to mark their territory. They shit blocks <laughs> and then they stack them? Is that what you're telling me? Cats... <laughs> Cows don't actually have four stomachs. They have a, one stomach with four compartments. Octopuses have three hearts. Okay, this is something I think we most of us know, but if you don't, here we go. This is one animal myth that's true. Eating parts of a puffer fish can kill you because in a defense mechanism to ward off predators, it contains a deadly chemical called tetradox. Tetrodoxin. Tetro there's enough in one pufferfish to kill 30 people, and there's no antidote. Still, pufferfish called fuju or fugu is a highly prized delicacy in Japan, but can only be prepared by well-trained chefs. Kind of like a good way to get away with murder. Hey, Susie, let's go for some pufferfish. Sure, uh, where are we going? 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Polar bears have black skin and actually their fur isn't white. It's see-through. So it appears white as it reflects light. So I did know this, that polar bear hair is hollow. So it, it's very insulating. Tiger skin is actually striped, just like their fur. So if you shave, shave a tiger, you know, they say you can't put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. You can't shave a tiger, it still has its stripes. <laughs> I just made that up, okay? <laughs> is that an actual saying? I don't know. Oh, okay, this was interesting. What do Miss Piggy and Yoda have in common? They were both voiced by the same person, puppeteer Frank Oz. So Miss Piggy's voice and Yoda's voice came from the same person. That's cool. Uh, the movie Psycho was the first movie to show a toilet flushing. Why not? That concludes Cat Facts. And I feel like I've got clove in my teeth right now. Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. That also concludes episode 21 of Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. I am Cat Wonders. And I will, of course, be back next week with episode 22. If you're watching this podcast, it is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon Music, you name it, it's out there everywhere. And I'm a little bit in the works of getting a website going. But anyway, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, then of course, it is available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Cat Wonders or Kitty Liquor, and you'll find me there. And uh, I highly recommend watching the YouTube version. Virgin? Virgin? version <laughs> and uh, getting the full experience because there's some aesthetic glory happening here and uh, you should be part of it. I also have an OnlyFans for five bucks a month and a patron starting at five dollars a month. So if you want access to hundreds of photos and videos, then uh, you can head over there and check it out. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. And I would really appreciate a subscription and a like so you don't miss any of my future stuff. And um, I've got lots of fun fall things planned, really fun Halloween stuff planned. I mean, I can't even share it because it's gonna be a surprise, but I got some interesting stuff going on. So you don't wanna miss it. So like I said, please subscribe so you don't miss anything. And then follow me on all of my other platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. It's all linked down below. So you don't have to miss out. Uh, I am gonna link these, uh, the drink that I made, the ginger pear bourbon spark splash. <laughs> <laughs> um, the recipe along with the extra little tidbits that I threw in there. I'm also going to link the quiz that I took so you can find out which language, love language is yours. If I could speak the English language, that would help. Um, and uh, that's about it. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, I also do bikini video try-on, try-on videos, and lots of other stuff too. So I don't need to sell myself anymore. Just become a little wonder cat. Become one of my, my family members and uh, we can hang out more and have lots of fun. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you all in my next video.